Welcome to the No Referees Podcast, where we have unpenalized conversations with sports personalities on industry news, their grind, the game, and much more. Please check us out on our social media pages at No Referees Pod for up-to-date info on the show. No rules, no texts, no whistles. This is No Referees Podcast. Welcome back to the No Referees Podcast. I'm your host, Everstock Joby. We're doing our virtual podcast today. We're in the quarantine life. We got a special guest with us today <laughs> from Houston, Texas. The man that produces all threes. Threes on the court. Three NBA championships. The triplets he got. Exactly. <laughs> three good numbers. <laughs> you can find him on Twitter at MarioLE1 and on IG and Mario Ellie 17, our family and friend, Mr. Mario Ellie. What up, brother? Good to see you, man. Thank you for having me. How's it going? How you doing with this quarantine life? Um, uh, me and my wife are doing a good job of finding things to do. It was tough at first, but uh, we got the kids on a schedule. Uh, that made it easier. My wife's working from home, so I'm getting that good home cooking from her. <laughs> Um, doing chores around the house, uh, working the kids out. Uh, we got a new foster dog, so I've been taking her on a walk. So just trying to stay busy. It's tough with no sports. You know what I'm saying? I'm watching sports. You know, there's no sports. So Netflix, me and the wife, you know, we pick movies every weekend to watch. What's popping on Netflix for you right now? Tell me what you what you, what you binging on right now on Netflix. What I'm binging on right now? We saw Queen and Slim, which I really enjoyed. Okay. Um, we watched Selma the other night, but we okay. really ain't get into the, you know, the series. Okay. You, know? yeah, you got to get into some series. I got a good one for you to watch. I don't know if y'all got Hulu. We got to watch uh, For Life. For Life? Yeah, that's popping yeah. right now. Yeah, okay. get to that. I'm going to check that out, but I'm a big <laughs> I'm a big Wire fan. I sort of caught it ah. in the middle. So I'm going to have to start it over and watch the whole package. I'm a big fan of that. I feel you. I feel you. So what's uh what's life like been for you since retirement? I know you coached for quite a yeah, few. Yeah, been years. coaching ten years. Yeah. Uh, last spot was Orlando, so I've been away from the family a lot. So it's been good to be home these last couple of years. Uh, being able to take my kids to school, being able to take them to practice to their games. It's been good. It's been great. But I'm ready to get back to work. You know, they're about to go to college soon, so. My wife getting tired of me, so I'm ready to go back to work. <laughs> you messing up the house and stuff. Yeah, she's like, get your butt up out of here. Get a job. <laughs> so speaking of working, what do you feel the difference, you know, you back in the day, you playing, you played in a certain one area, you coach another area, you got kids in this era. What do you think is the difference in, like, the areas that you've been a part of in basketball? Just – you know, right now, you got a lot of these specialty coaches. You got a coach for everything now. Back when I grew up and playing in the park, you just played in the park. That's how you got better, going to the park. <laughs> you know, I grew up in New York City. So me and my brother, we had our little five, so we would go to different parks around the city. And if you know New York City, if you lose, you're done for the day. So we had a good five, you know, and we'd go to every park around the city. We'll be on a call from nine to five, running the park. Say, so we done with this park. Let's go see where we can go the next day to play. So that's how I got my education. And that's where you got the toughness and swag well, from being in New York. You know, no rent, no nets. Mm. My sons, you know, I take them to play ball around in the Houston. 
Dad, they ain't got no nets. I'm like, dude, we had no nets growing up in New York. These kids want nets. They want indoor courts. They don't like playing outside. These kids are spoiled now. Growing up on that, that New York playground, you know, you had, like, Rucker Park. You know, growing up, I grew up in Dallas, so I heard about all them things. Rucker I thought Park, it was like a Towers, you know? a lot of great West 4th Street, you know, a lot of legends. You know, you got guys who are – just great players, but just didn't want to go to school. They wanted to, they chose another route. But you go to, back in my day, you go to a, a summer league, a summer park game in New York, it's two, 3,000 people in the stands. Mm. Kids hanging from trees, kids hanging from the fence. Because all the top guys in the city would play in these tournaments because they knew it was going to be a packed house. You know, you got guys, uh, Durant been through there, Kobe been through there, Baron Davis been through there, AI been through there. A lot of the top NBA guys, you know, Kareem, not Kareem, Julius Irving. You know, when Julius Irving came back in the day, that it was like maybe four or five thousand people in the park. So, guys know where the best court is. You know, the best players always want to go play in front of the best crowds. And what's great about New York crowds, you got music bumping, you got guys <laughs> on the microphone giving you nicknames, making fun of you if you get dunked on. What was your nickname back in the day? Oh, the Jedi Knight, boy. I was flying through the air back then, dunking out cats, man. <laughs> the Jedi. They called me the Jedi, baby. When you get a nickname in the parks in New York, that means you're doing a little something. <laughs> the Jedi fly through, fly through the air on the hook. Yeah, man. I used to catch some bodies back in the day, man. <laughs> so speaking of back in the day, I know when I first started watching basketball when I was a teenager in the mid-'90s, I remember you had the full set of hair back then. You was with the yeah, Warriors the hair, back then. Yeah, the part, the beard. And you, and you used to dunk on the boys back then. Yeah, I had everything back then. But I, it was funny in 94 when I was with the Rockets. I still, you know, I still had my hair, my beard. So I bet Vernon Maxwell, I said, man, Vernon, if we go to, if we go to the finals this year, I'm going to cut all my hair off. And Lord knows we got to the finals. And what I got to practice, because Verda had the Clippers ready to chop me up. And he, he chopped me up. He did. So that's when yeah. the ball head started. I said, it looks pretty good. So I just kept it like that. If I feel like one year you went from having a full set of hair or maybe a little, you know, a little receding, and then next year he's just straight ball. Yeah, I lost that bet. And uh, V-Max was like, yeah, here you go. You got to cut it off. So I did end up liking it, you know, and I uh, just kept it like that. So growing up, like I said, I'm from Arlington, Texas, you know, suburb of Dallas. You know, back then, you know, the Mavericks was trash, to be honest with you. But the whole state of Texas rooted for y'all's Rockets. And I had two guys on my wall. I had Larry Johnson, because he was from Dallas, and I had Akeem Olajuwon, because I'm Nigerian-American. So, like, I was instantly gravitated towards the Rockets. You know, y'all played the Summit back then, and it used to be packed back in the day. Y'all had the, the cool colors on y'all jersey. All the like playing with Dream and being a part of seeing him every day inside and out. Uh, I've been blessed in my NBA career to play with with some great players. Of course, you know, I was (laughs) in San Antonio with Tim and Dave. I played with three of the greatest big men to ever walk the floor. But out of those three big men, that number 34 (laughs) boy was a beast and he was a problem on a nightly basis. And he made me to play. He allowed me to get these open threes because you get two or three guys on Dream, he's kicking the ball out. You play Dream one-on-one, you saw what happened in 95 in the Alamo Dome, you know. David Robinson got the MVP in 95. And you talk about a man being mad and focused. 
that dude, you saw that. Everybody saw that series. It was total Bar- domination by Elijah on 35 that, points. That was, like bar- that was like barbecue chicken. Before, that was barbecue chicken before this. barbecue chicken. Yeah. Exactly. That's like Jack said. That was some real barbecue chicken. That was some Nigerian chicken. He was eating that. that some, some, some jollof rice he was eating, huh? <laughs> yeah, he was eating good. He was eating that good Texas barbecue back there, boy, I tell you. <laughs> that was just great, man. Great players uh, step up in uh, big-time environments. That, that's what the dream was. He was what on was, that Michael Jordan level. That's how good he was. He was, was that good. What was Mario Elliott's pregame routine like back in the day, especially going through the championship years? What did you get to the gym? Take, a, take me through, like, shooting around, your, your pregame rituals, the nap or whatever. Tell me what was Great, day. great question. Um, never took phone calls and stuff. It was from my mom mm. on game day. Real wow. focus on game day. Uh, would, would get a good meal in the morning, get to shoot around, get the game plan, go home, take my nap, you know, like two, three-hour nap, eat around 3.34. You always want to eat maybe three hours, three and a half hours before the game. Mm-hmm. So I would eat pasta, meat, because, you know, when you play, you got to make sure you got the carbs in your system. Right. So got to the gym, you know, hour and a half before the game, had my my ritual warm-up, get some shots up, get a good stretch. And I was ready to go and always always was focused. You know, game day was just amazing for me. Just locked in. Like I said, didn't talk to a lot of people on game day. If it was only my mom. That was the only person I wanted to talk to. <laughs> Uh, she would call me and wish me luck, but always was locked in on a game day. You know, I always knew I had the toughest assignment, you know, watched a lot of film, guarded a lot of great players, so I had to be prepared. So that was a basic day for me, you know, on a game day, just being really focused, not really talking to a lot of people and, and really focusing on the job at hand at 7.30 whenever we played. You talk about you always had the toughest assignment. I know that was your calling card before people really saw the – the kiss of death shot we'll get into in a minute. You know, your calling card was on the defensive end. You know, back in the, the 90s when it was a whole completely different de- game where hand checking was allowed and the body dudes with your, you know, your forearm, you know. What was one of the one of the guys or a few guys that was some of your toughest covers out there on the perimeter? God, man, there was a bunch of guys that I you know. Jordan, <laughs> of course, Gary Payton, uh, who else? Sean Elliott was a problem, Glenn Rice. Mm. Uh, 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 Sharif Abdul-Rahim, a young Grand Hill, uh, Jerry Stackhouse. Uh, I guarded Magic and Bird, even though they were in the later stages, guarded both those guys. Um, I started with Golden State, having to guard Mitch Richmond, Chris Mullen, and Tim Hardaway (laughs) on a daily basis in practice. And I really credit those guys for really uh, uh, making me a good NBA player, you know. That's actually where I actually start to know about who Mario Elliott was when I was a younger guy because Mitch Richmond was one of my favorite players growing up, ironically, not because of his talent, because we shared the same birthday. That's the only guy I know in NBA that has the same birthday. So I saw this, I gravitated towards him. So then we were in TMC days. That's where I actually met Mario Elliott back when I was a younger kid. Yeah, those were some fun days. Um... I remember us playing San Antonio when I got to the league. Uh, San Antonio was the second seed. We were the seventh seed. 
Mm. We went up there and bossed them up at the Hemisphere Arena. Boy. <laughs> Hemisphere Arena was popping back then. Oh, my God. What you call the crowd? What's the bums? The baseline? The baseline bums. Yeah, boy. They were loud, boy. That breeder got loud. When David flying down the, the middle, Duncan, I mean, they had a great team. I mean, it was David. It was Terry Cummins, Sean Elliott. They had mm. Willie Anderson and Rod Strickland in the backcourt. They had the, the general coming off the bench. Mm. Yeah, it, it was it was a tough round matchup, and want to give Don Nelson credit. He started. He was one of the guys who originally started the small lineup. He started me at four that series. I'm guarding wow. Terry Cummins, six nine, two fifty. Here I am, six four, two ten, just getting in the league, wet. But we figured it out and beat them somehow, man. So that that was fun playing with those guys. Those were some good old days. Yeah, back in the day, those were. Uh, all the stuff you see that's gone on since you started your career in Golden State, to see the success they've had over the years, does that make you feel, like, proud that you were one of those first guys that really started that? No question. You know, it's still when I got – some of my best friends are still in the base. So when I go out there, I would go out to a game sometime when I wasn't coaching, and people would recognize me. You know, they, there's <laughs> great sports fans out in the Bay Area. And they're like, Mary, I remember you from the Run TMC days, you, Mitch, and Tim. And, then, and those were fun days. We were averaging 118 points a game. I know a lot of guys are putting a lot of points. But we were putting points when the game was physical, like you mentioned. We were putting up 160, 118 points on these boys. Somebody else <laughs> scored on us. That ball was out up the court in a minute. Tim pulling up a three. Mitch pulling up. I'm running the lane. Chris pulling up. So, love that offense, man. It was sort of a Mike D'Antoni type of offense. Right, right. Be right. open, down now, so let you get your game on. It was fun playing for. So who was one of the who talked more trash, Gary Payton or Jordan? Oh, GPs, GP talk all day. You know, talk a lot of mess. I caught him in the end of his career, Larry Bird. My it was uh my first year with the Warriors. We played, I think it was the last year at the at the Boston Garden, the old Boston Garden. And I remember going on down the lane. And Paris came over to block my shot, but I, I put a nice little finger roll over him. And Larry Bird looked at him and said, don't let that dude come down. Like, you need to block his effing shot. I'm like, Larry Bird said that? I'm like, what? White cat talking best like that? But, boy, that white cat had game, boy. Uh, but Gary Payton, boy, nonstop. For that. But he was also a a darn good play. He was hard to guard. I can tell you. <laughs> I know. I seen something with Gary Payton. I think uh, last year he won the, the best trash talking award through the Big Three. <laughs> in the Big Three, that's how he won in the league too. I remember Henry Hardaway going at it in the in the playoffs. They were just talking mess the whole game. It was fun to watch. Those were the good old days. We and the good thing about talking trash back then, they left it on the court. Right. They didn't take it off the court. It was just part of right. part of what he did. He never took it off the court. Let me ask you this question. With this quarantine coronavirus situation going on, it's almost similar to like a lockout. And yeah. You know, you've been a part of a few lockouts. But what was your regimen like during those lockout times that you were part of? And what kind of advice would you give the guys that's going through this situation right now playing? Well, the good thing about the lockout, the only good thing about it, they had other sports going on. And we knew we had to train. We knew if the season came on, we got to be on and popping, ready to go. <laughs> you know, so we had the workouts. We were able to go out <laughs> so, you know, and hang out with your boys and play with your boys. You can't even play with your friends and really work out with your friend in this quarantine, you know. So it, it, it's risk. This is tougher, you know, because sports is a great outlet. 
you know, for a lot of people, when things are not going your way, you're throwing a game, your favorite team is playing, that's sort of for three hours, that takes you away from your misery. But you don't have that now. You know, you got to sort of watch movies. And like I mentioned earlier, make up schedule. You know, a lot of people got kids at home. So you got to figure out things to do with them. Thank God they got an online schooling, which is outstanding. Back then, we ain't had none of that. With the internet and stuff you can do now, you know, there's some things you can sort of get by on. What do you think about just the whole social distancing and you're seeing that their government telling people to not go outside, you know, stay, do your part, but then you still see some people out kind of doing their thing. It's like, dang, how are we ever going to get past this? I know, this is serious, but I'm a guy from New York, you know, and we got hit the hardest, you know. Right. I, I grew up right in the city. I grew up in Upper West Side, Manhattan. You know, my mom is 91, my sister, and she needs 24-hour care. So my sister's with her, thank God. Mm -hmm. My sister can't really take her outside because she's an older woman with health issues. So we don't want to jeopardize her getting sick. So I've been really keeping a close eye on what's going on in New York. I was about to go visit her a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. This virus came, so I don't get to see my mom much. Uh, she has dementia, and it's really, really tough on me. Because uh, she was the one that really, really believed in me. And she's the one that told me to follow my dreams. So it's been very difficult for me not just, you know, not being able to see her, touch her, you know, just uh, sit down and look at her and talk to her. So that's been really, really tough. So, But we're a resilient country, man. We're a resilient country. We're going to get through this. We're going to come out better. And I'm hoping people, you know, when I go out, I got mask on, I got my gloves. <laughs> I see you with your Houston Rockets mask. You had all, you put a lot of yeah, it. Yeah, I got my Houston Rockets custom made. <laughs> my girl Monica May. Uh, so I'm, I'm sporting that proudly. But you know, you got to practice that, man. And you know, you see the numbers going down. The doctors, you got to listen to the professionals. They know what they're talking about. I love listening to Dr. Fauci on TV. Because he gives it to you real. I love, I love listening to the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, who's, who's showing true leadership in that state. And it's calm, but he gives you the facts, whether they're ugly or not. Right. People just want to know the facts. They just want to know the truth. So right. they do a good job of doing that. Speaking of professionals, a guy who knows what you're talking about, your former coach, Rudy T, just got the nomination, Hall of Fame. How proud, how proud of that were you? I was so fired up, uh, just went on Twitter, man, and just appreciate that guy. I mean, his body of work, I'm like, what took them so long? Right, I heard it. I, th I thought he was already in the Hall of Fame. I was like, what? Yeah, not just as a player, but look what he done as a coach. Right. You know, the stuff he'd been through, his story is a great story. This dude almost died at the L.A. Forum when the guy sucker punched him. Yeah. You know, Kermit Washington. Rudy T. almost died. He came back and became an all-star after that. Then he became transitioned to being a head coach, won back-to-back -back championships. In our 95 championship run, out of any team in NBA history, we had the hardest road. We beat three teams with 60 wins, and we beat a young Orlando Magic team with Penny and Shaq, Horace Grant, Dennis Scott, who had 59 wins. We had no home court, and we won nine road games. Wow. So, that was, that was a hell of an achievement. And he sort of started to stretch four. When he put Robert Ory at the four, which allowed four out and one in, which you see a lot now, 
So Rudy's the one that who originated that, allowing Akeem Olajuwon to really eat. He had the whole page <laughs> himself. We have four shooters out there. And then to go on and win a gold medal for his country. I mean, just just a great resume. So I'm, I'm very happy for him, very excited. So your Rockets teammates, <clears throat> uh, Sam I Am, Vernon Maxwell, which of them got on your nerves more? I love both those guys. <laughs> you might, yeah, you might love both of them. But which but one? Sam, boy, Sam, man, his rookie year, Sam just wanted to play so bad because he had Scott Brooks in front of him. Yo, 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 Mario, I need to be out there, man. I need to be out there, man. Come on, man. I need to be out there, man. Well, you know, Sam and Vernon is just nuts. I mean, one of those are two of my greatest teammates that I ever went to war with. Love both of those guys. Still keeping contact. I just talked to Sam two days ago. He's doing great. So proud of what he's doing with the Clippers. He should be a head coach. You know, Vernon's in Charlotte doing his thing. He'll come do stuff for the Rockets periodically, so I get to see him then. It's always great to see those two guys. Two great competitors and two great players, man. Just enjoy being with those guys. After practice, we'll be always together, man. We would always hang together. That's, that's what made that team so special. You know, we were always together on and off the court. And then you saw the chemistry on the court. You right. know, talking mess, getting each other fired up, cheering for each other, pushing for each other. Two of my best teammates I ever had in my life, those two guys. So sticking with their Rockets, you know, we got the 25th year anniversary coming up. Of the, of the famous kiss of death. Just walk us through just those moments that, that led up to you hitting that shot deep in that corner coming down, celebrating, walk us through that moment. Just 95, you know, being down 3-1 and listening to A.C. Green and Charles Barkley count us out, you know, not believing we're going to come back. So went down there, won game five in overtime. So that sort of gave us a little confidence coming back home. So we win game six at home. So in the game seven, you know, you got Kim Elijah on and Clyde Drexler. I feel <laughs> we can beat any team on the road anywhere. So, uh, it was a great game, high-scoring game. KJ was just killing us. I'm like, can anybody stop this little dude? I think he had 46. And uh, it's funny that he was 20 for 20 from the free throw line, and he missed that 21st free throw, oh, yep. which allowed the game to be tied. So we called a timeout. And, we, of course, we were going to go number 34, you know, for the money. But uh, we, we got to – I think Robert uh, – who took the ball out? I'm not sure. Was it Robert? I'm not sure who was on the court. It was me, Clyde, Dream. I think Clyde might have took it out. And he gave it to Kenny. And Kenny was sort of at half court, and Danny Ainge was guarding me. So I was in the deep left corner in front of our bench. So Danny Ainge decides to go double. And Kenny, two-point guard, he is, I got to make the short pass. Robert go, is at half court. So uh, he passes it to Robert. As that's going on, Clyde sort of flashes towards the top of the key, and it's sort of me in the corner and dream down low. So Robert spots me open in the corner, and he throws a cross-court pass. And he was worried that that pass went kind of long, but the athlete that I am, I went up <laughs> and got it. So it was me, Danny Shays, and Dream. And I knew Danny Shays wasn't leaving Elijah off. So that gave me time to set my feet. And I had a great look at the basket. So I caught it, feet were set, and Danny Shades was not coming. I said, I'm going to let this go. And when he saw me cocking the trigger, he decided to try to close out. It was too but late. It was too late. <laughs> and um, 
And the thing I was thinking, if I missed it, a dream was there to put it back in. But I wasn't thinking miss. When they left my hand, everything about that shot felt good. And you know, when you hit a clutch shot, you don't want it bouncing around like Kawhi's shot like nine damn times. And then it go in. Mine went all panties, brother. It was water, but it went through the deck. That thing was <laughs> I would watch that thing a million and one time. That thing was all net. Then I turned and look at Joe Klein. You know what I did, brother. I did. Look at that. And boy, that boy was turning red on that sideline, bro. He was turning red over there. I was so focused on him, I really didn't feel my teammates jumping all on me. If you see the picture, I'm just staring at the bench. I was just so in the moment. I really didn't feel my teammates really jumping on me. I was, that's how locked in I was. And I just kept looking at Joe. And that feeling of him turning red and being pissed on that sideline. <laughs> and thank you, Danny Ainge, for doubling off me, buddy. Appreciate you. <laughs> so that that's shot. Death came about. So when a guy like Kawhi hits a shot like that or a guy like Ray Allen hits a shot like that in the finals, so that you know exactly what them dudes are feeling in that moment because you experienced that. It's a great feeling, man. And, and I'm a guy who maybe averaged eight or nine points in my career, which is fine. But people still to this day remember, I walk in the streets of Houston, kiss of death. You know, I'm out of town. And, man, that shot against Phoenix, Mario. You know, you get recognized when you step up in big moments, and that's pretty cool. A guy like me who was a seventh-round pick who went Division two, who had to work his butt off to get to the league, and for God to bless me with an 11-year career, winning three championships, I couldn't ask for a better career than that, man. <laughs> I got a few questions for a couple, for a couple of people that wanted me to ask you. Our buddy Chris White, C. White. What does C. White got to say? CY says, you still have the game ball from back in the day, from that shot. I do not. Oh, 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 you kiss a death shot? Yeah, he said, do you still have the game ball? No, I think he may have been talking about when I won the finals with the Spurs. I got Okay, the- he, okay. Yeah. I can ask Mario if he still got the game ball. And where, and where, and where is it? I, just, I, get, I sold it, man. I sold it. <laughs> when you get older, you have memorabilia, stuff like that. It's just sitting around in the clock. I got jerseys and stuff I want to give away. And at the time, it was important. But now, you know, you're older. And my kids don't care about that stuff. They care about the new age ball players. So. One of my buddies who lives in Houston, Reese, he said, ask Mario. He's a huge Rockets fan. Grew up, grew up a Rockets fan. He said he was a kid when he saw you hit that kiss of death shot. He told me to ask you, your career spans with the Rockets and the Spurs winning championships. Which one meant more and why? Um, I'm going to say my second one um, with the Rockets because the first one we played the Knicks and they had a big, big lineup. So usually I'm a guy who plays the two and the three. So I get minutes at both positions, but they had Anthony Mason at that three spot. So we needed Robert out there for majority of the minutes. So basically most of my minutes was back and burning up at the two, but in 95, in the middle of the San Antonio series, Rudy T decided to start me. And then we end up winning that series. Then we play Orlando. And then I have a big series averaging 16, you know, four rebounds, four assists. I shot 60% from three that series. I was shooting the lights out of the ball that series. So I felt that I can actually contribute to a championship run. So I think that second one um, meant a lot to me. But 
being the first with the Spurs and the Rockets in the great state of Texas, you know, 99 was special winning at the crib. I'm from New York. I grew up five minutes from the guard. Wow. A lot of people don't know this story. We beat the Knicks 4-1. I wore my uniform all damn night. (laughs) (laughs) With my uniform on and my gaiters. I did not take my Spurs uniform off. And I left the club at 8 o'clock in the morning. The sun was up. I still had my uniform off. So I I made it back in the hotel and tried to pack my stuff, hop on the plane back to San Antonio. Was still hungover on the plane. Was hungover when I got off the plane. That was pretty neat, having my jersey on all night. Hanging out with Kenny Smith. He pouring champagne on me all night in the club. Just had a blast. That, that's some great memories. When you, you, you accomplish me. stuff like that, man, the memories don't never go away. He was almost pulling like a like a J.R. Smith when he won championship. Walking around with no shirt on. J.R., leave the shirt off, man. Leave the shirt off. It's all good. <laughs> you're not guaranteed you're going to get back there. And as you know, he didn't get – he got back there, but they didn't win it. <laughs> so speaking of winning, real quick before I get you out of here, the season had to start back up today. Who do you think got going to give it a run for the money for the for the championship? There's two teams I, I do like. I, I love LeBron and AD. Uh, AD to me has to prove that he can do it in the playoffs in clutch situations. But the Clippers depth, coaching experience, you got championship coaches on that sideline, Sam, Ty Lue, uh, Doc Rivers, all coaches who won championships. Then you got two guys you can put on LeBron. You know, AD's going to be the problem. You know, they really don't have a matchup for him. But they do got two guys that, that can guard LeBron. And LeBron will have to guard them also at the other end. Right. And also, I like the Milwaukee Bucks. I like what Giannis mm. and them are doing out there in Milwaukee. Um, he's taken his game to another level. Uh, and they defend. And he, he he's playing like a guy – on a mission. Uh, he really got stymied by the, the Raptors last year. So to me, he came back even better than last year. I know everybody talk about LeBron for MVP. The numbers Giannis is put, putting up, and he don't got a, a superstar like AD with him. Right. I know Chris Middleton is an all-star, but he's not a superstar. Right. LeBron and AD, both of those guys are superstars. And for, right. and for what Giannis is doing, out there in the East is pretty impressive. But Boston is a sleeper team for me, and Toronto is a sleeper team for me. I love what Miami is doing down there. They play hard, but to me, they just don't have enough talent. Mm. What about your Rockets? Uh, they <laughs> solid. And I don't know about small ball, you know. I mean, we need size, man. You got to have size out there, getting out rebounded. Mm. We've got to depend on guys making threes on a consistent basis. As you see, it's been inconsistent. They won a couple big games, then you lose to the Knicks. You get blown out by the Magic. It's a lot of inconsistency with that style of play, and your small guys got to be able to score and play deep. You know, back in our small lineup in Golden State, we got guys who can do both. Mm -hmm. You know, P.J. Tucker's going to have to get 12 or 14 points a game for them to be successful, especially in the playoffs when you're playing good, good competition. Right. Because this Western Conference playoffs this year was going to be the bomb. But, yeah, those are my teams. I would love for the Rockets to go far. But the small ball, I love what West Westbrook and Harden are doing. But the mother guys going to have to step up and score. 
I don't know if they can do that. And Eric Gordon been in and out the wow. lineup for you. I know they depend a lot on him. Right. Well, I want to thank you for coming on No Referee Podcast, Mr. Ellie. And everybody go find him on Twitter at MarioLE1 and on Instagram at MarioLE17. I ain't going to lie. When I found on Instagram, I didn't think that was your page. I thought it was a fan page because you only had like four posts on there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm a big Instagram guy, but my, my daughter said, Dad, you got to get on Instagram. So my daughter organized all my Instagram. Just so post one thing a day. So yeah, thank you advice to the ladies of the house. You know what they're talking about. I appreciate it, sir. Thanks for giving us some time. Hey, you and your family stay safe during this uh, quarantine and get back to work soon. Same to you, my brother. And call me anytime. Love to chop it up with you again, big boy. Yeah, Keep up thank you, my man. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for listening to another episode of the No Referees Podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this show. And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on social media at No Referees Pod. Till the next episode, we out.